I'm Floyd Hall, and this is Taking the Long View with Ruby Vale of Ruby Vale and the Soul Phonics. I got the chance to chat with Ruby as she prepared for their performance at One Music Fest and again when she joined me at Wonder Root. Before a show, I usually do some sort of meditation to myself. And it's really a, a check-in of where I am and where my intention is and just kind of a centering. So like for today's performance, I would think about how far we've come as a band and to share the stage with such amazing acts and musicians and what that means to me. And I just kind of sit, at least if it's for 10 minutes, I just sit and contemplate, you know, what I'm doing, you know, why I'm doing what I'm doing. And it's not always because you want exposure. It's not always because you want people to buy your music. Sometimes it's like a bigger, it's something bigger. So I try to just instill that in me before I get on stage so that when I'm in the performance, I can think about those things and not think about, oh, is my bra coming loose? Or, oh, is my shoe untied? Or, you know, those kind of things. <laughs> um, and then I do some vocal warm-ups. Uh, they're kind of annoying for the rest of the band, I think, that I do them, but I kind of do them. Um, and then I just try to drink a lot of water and usually knock back a drink, at least one, as a ritual. <laughs> I'm not totally an angel, I'll say that. It took some time, but I've arrived. as an Atlanta artist, this festival in Atlanta, what does that mean to you given all of what you're trying to do and build as an artist? Um, well, this festival to me, it really is like a step up from anything that we've done in Atlanta before. I think the only other bigger show that we've played was uh, when we opened for Bush at the Tabernacle here. And it was the same kind of... Um, uh, I, I want to say coming of age, but that's a weird term to use with like an entire band. But it really is. I mean, once you turn that eight or nine year mark as a band, things start to really happen for you if you stay dedicated and positive and focused. And so I think this is a testament to the focus that we've had throughout the years. And um, just to be the only independent act on this bill, not only are we local to Atlanta, but we're also independent. We own our own record label. 
and I think all of the other artists on this bill have national labels backing behind them. So it really does mean a lot, and I, I hope that it's an inspiration for other bands and other people to say, yeah, I can do this too if I really wanted to do it. It's very, very possible to do it on your own. It takes a lot more legwork and a team of dedicated people, but once you have that under your belt, you know, that's like half the battle. If you're willing to work really hard for it, I think that's the thing that has separated us from a lot of other bands is that we really, really work hard on not only getting our music out there and making new music, but promoting it and the advertising and the creative direction of it, the, the business aspect of it, we're all very keen on. So I'm fortunate to have good people to work with in that respect. Um, but yeah, I think just, you know, last year Brittany Bosco played this festival and she's like one of my best friends and such an amazing artist. and. It's truly inspiring to like follow in her footsteps because she's one of the people that I saw my very first show in Atlanta was Brittany Bosco and we've since become friends but it's so great to have that um, artistry here in Atlanta and like that incubation here to develop as an artist and for one music fest to put out an independent artist on a bill like this is just like I'm just completely grateful for the opportunity and it's been really really awesome. And they've done a great job promoting it as well. Even, you know, they've promoted us as much as they've promoted Snoop Dogg and Goody Mob and the other bands, so I feel very fortunate for that. This song was written in Atlanta, for Atlanta. This song is called My Dear. This is a Wonder Root artist feature. I have the pleasure today of talking with singer-songwriter Ruby Vale of Ruby Vale and the Soul Phonics. Ruby, how are you? I'm doing awesome, Floyd. How are you? I'm doing very well. Always a pleasure to talk to you. You mentioned before when we were talking about 
the the work that goes into not only your live show, but also the work of being an independent artist. And oftentimes you reminded yourself that this is what you wanted. Mm -hmm. When did you know that this is what you wanted? I think that's kind of a loaded question because I've known I've wanted to be a singer since I was about eight years old. I started singing in chorus um, growing up and and with my uncle's cover band. He used to um, have me sing Pink Floyd covers, which was pretty awesome at that time. I didn't really know what I was doing, but um, so I've always known that I wanted to sing. When I um, grew up and I come from a East Indian household and my parents were traditionally Indian borderlining assimilation into America. So they, they you know, kind of straddled that cultural divide. And so I got away with a lot growing up. Um, but at the same time, they were very adamant about me going to school and finishing school and making that like my number one priority until it could no longer be. And so I ended up going through advertising school and then all the way through grad school, um, I went for graphic design. So those were kind of secondary uh, motivations for me to be able to keep putting out music and to promote myself through music. So I came to understand the business side of things by going to school for things that were not related to music. Um, and that's what it really gave me a sense that it, it is all connected in the end. It was a great experience and a great route for me to go because now I am more of an independent artist who can promote themselves, advertise, design you know, do PR, do cross-marketing with, you know, Mini Cooper and different brands like that that come along to us, I have the knowledge and the insight to be able to navigate the band in the right direction through those kind of things. So I think it's really important that, you know, if you if you know that you want to be a singer or an entertainer long-term, in this day and age as an independent artist, you really have to put some other hats on to go along with that, um, to be able to survive in the industry. I think that's a crucial point that a lot of um, young talent kind of misses out. They think, you know, if I just nose to the grind every day and, and write a million songs, then one of them's going to be a hit. Sure, yes, but do you have the ability to put that hit out and, you know, get it recognized so that people can start listening to it? You talked about being able to steer the band in the right direction. When did you all become a band? When was that moment when it became Ruby Vale and the Soul Phonics? Um, well, the band kind of started as the original three members, which was Spencer Garn. He's a keyboardist, also the engineer and producer. Uh, I always say he's a mastermind behind the Sulfonics as a concept, as a band. Um, and then our guitar player, Scott Clayton. Uh, the three of us have been friends for almost 10 years and started the band way back in Gainesville, Florida. And so at that time, it was Sulfonics featuring Ruby Bell or the Sulfonics and Ruby Bell. And we kept that name for a solid six years. So we were well into our career in Atlanta when fans and everyone around us kept saying, I just want it to be Ruby Bell and the Sulfonics. Why is it not Ruby Bell and the Sulfonics? So we changed it, and I think, it, I think it's been a good change, you know, not just because my name is first, because that's never really what it's been about, but I think it's important to listen to that feedback from fans. Um, but anyway, I'm getting off topic. Your question was, when did the band start? You know, it was in Gainesville about eight years ago. And then about six and a half years ago, we came to Atlanta and um, we found 
multiple bandmates uh, and replenished the lineup. And they stayed for a while and they fell off. And some people have gone on to play with Janelle Monet. Some have gone on to play with Bruno Mars. And some have gone on to play with um, Gary Clark Jr. So we've had a lot of talented folks in and out of the band over the years. Um, but we've started being a cohesive unit, I'd say, over the past three years. Same lineup, same people, committed and solid. How do you manage to keep a good relationship with all of the different band members, mm-hmm. especially as the front woman of the band, at least name-wise, at least, but being the only woman in the band, how does that work? Well, I think there's already um, a dynamic there of the Lost Boys and Wendy or, you know, like Snow White and the Dwarfs, that kind of mentality of like, I'm not necessarily mothering them, but I am there as like a sister or, or as a family member. And I think that's how we go about it. We're just a big family. And so in that you have your inherent fighting that occurs, you know, disagreements that happen, um, drama that surfaces from time to time. But, I mean, with seven guys, you really don't have that much drama. Uh, I am I always say I'm not the diva. <laughs> and I'm not going to name names on who is, but I know that I'm not. I, I take it very easy, and I'm really easygoing. Um, the guys, you know, they can get a bit lewd and... and um, drunk at times I guess you could say so you're reining them in a little bit sometimes I do but then sometimes they're like well what happened to you yesterday on that on that particular tour where were you after the show and so I think it's a give and take it's it's a family you know they know they know my secrets they know everything about me and vice versa (laughs) and we all just try to um, approach it in a very positive way because we believe in the message of our music and you have to maintain that positive outlook in your day-to-day life so that it translates through your music as well. Let's get to the message in your music in a second, but I believe that sometimes images can send messages and Mm -hmm. on the cover of your, your LP, you are standing in front of an open door at uh, open Marta train door. Marta ATL. What did that mean to you when you thought about crafting your image, what you wanted to present to everyone else about yourself and the band? Sure. Well, I think that as an independent artist, you, as I stated before, you really do have that creative control over your brand and and who people perceive you to be, um, at least through your style and through your art direction, photography, things like that. So I actually art directed that photo shoot for the... Uh, for the um, cover of the album, and I just wanted it to be simple, authentic, and and beyond message, which the message, I think, was we've arrived. We're on the scene. We're waiting for this train. This train is going to take us into the next level of our soul machine or, you know, whatever we're trying to do with our music. Um, So it was very symbolic, and obviously I'm very proud of the fact that we are in Atlanta and that we make music in Atlanta, so the MARTA is kind of a... Uh, a touch of respect to that. Um, even though the Marta has its inherent problems, I feel that, you know, eventually they will they will be able to expand the community in ways that they couldn't before. Uh, I don't know if it's due to lack of funding or what, but also off topic. 
Um, I just wanted the style of the album art to be very classic, refined, something that was timeless. The album's called It's About Time. Um, and I thought that playing with that juxtaposition of a timeless image with something that's very concrete here and now uh, would be something fun to do artistically. By the way, what station was that? It was the um, GSU. The social message in your music, or just the message in general, we can take it there. I think for a lot of listeners, if they just listen casually, they can nod their head to the music and the rhythm. Mm -hmm. But if you listen to the actual words, there is a message there. What is your message? Well, first I would say thank you. That's quite a compliment as a songwriter um, to hear that people can listen deeper and take something away from that. So I I always think that's like the biggest compliment you can get as a writer is, hey, I didn't just nod my head. I really listened to what you were saying. Um, but a lot of the messaging uh, in, in the songs is meant as lessons to people, lessons to ourselves, lessons to my future self. I always say that. Um, but it's really just about taking a moment to check in with yourself. Sometimes I write songs that um, are meant to be learned down the road. So I'll write something and I'll be singing it for a year and it'll finally click in why I wrote this song and why it pertains to my life or to someone else's life. So I don't know. I just think it's really important that music carries more than just a melody and, a, you know, a catchy hook. I, I think that it is a vehicle for change and it always has been. I mean, you have songs like Imagine, John Lennon, you know, and, and the Beatles, such instrumental songwriting, but also very good poppy music. And so I think there's a fine line uh, between what defines us as an artist and what defines us as a pop music machine. So I think we try to stay to the more of the realm of the artist and being more introspective with the lyrics, really getting inside people's head and saying, hey, either why are you this way or this is the way things are, let's change it. Or can I motivate you to change? And when I say that, it's not just I'm talking to the fans. I'm also talking to myself. Like, can I be better? Can I evolve as a person? Can I change? Can I act on the things that I've set forth in my life? Um, so I think that's where the message comes from. It's it's very introspective, but it can also be subjective. And sometimes that's how the best songs, you know, they have to be relatable. Uh, so I'm I'm happy to find that medium of relatability and also content, you know, and meaning. That's important to me. When are you at your creative best? I think when I'm absolutely overworked and drained, some amazing stuff happens to me. Uh, and like I used to, when recording the first album, I was working about 65 hours a week between part-time jobs and uh, managing the band and doing graphic design and things like that. So some of the best songs just happened because they came straight through me. It wasn't like a deliberate, I'm going to wake up early and between the hours of 8 to 10, I'm going to write this amazing song. It's just like, it just happened because I was so pressed for time and it had to happen that I was able to get my own head out of the way, if that makes sense, and like just leave room for inspiration to find me. And um, I think when I'm under the gun is when I'm probably my most creative. The music that you all make has a feel to it that I think a lot of people will try to put into some sort of box. Mm -hmm. How do you all continue to 
fight against that or continue to create music that maybe expands that box a little bit more? I think the simple answer is to build another box. <laughs> you just keep stacking them. The boxes don't go away. People will constantly put you and relate you to artists that they like or admire, which is a beautiful thing. You know, you have to, we're creatures of habit, so we have to be able to make that comparison between one act from another, and everyone does it. There's no exceptions. I mean, Lenny Kravitz still gets boxed in with Jimi Hendrix and vice versa. And <clears throat> I think it's sometimes a shame that that happens because you take away the artist's ability to like really express themselves as an individual. But at the same time, it's great for recognition. So, I mean, it's no um, it's no surprise I get compared to Amy Winehouse a lot. And personally, I don't feel that I sound like her or look like her, but a lot of people make that comparison. And to me, it's it's a compliment. I think she's a legend and absolutely a legendary songwriter. So for me, it gives me something to aspire to. Um, but I think it's important that you keep building up your sound and who you are as a person and what you're saying and how content heavy your songs are because that will eventually break you out of that one box and put you in a new box uh, so I think it's a time thing over time fans will begin to pick you up a certain way and and that perception changes over time just like anything else just like a human being goes through life and, and changes it's the same kind of cycle with the the art of making music what compliment about your music or your band are you most proud of? I think when people say that we're a tight band, I think that's really important to me because it means that, you know, we, we've been here. We didn't just come out of a garage yesterday. I mean, we've been doing this for a long time. So when people recognize the fact that we're a cohesive unit and we all play very well together and the transitions are seamless and solos are seamless, that kind of stuff makes me very happy. And at the end of the day, I mean, Spencer and Scott have a lot to do with that, the arrangements of um, the music and how the band works and functions together. I mean, I'm sure I'm at rehearsals, but a lot of times I'm rehearsing my vocals and, you know, they're paying attention to how cohesive we are as a band and what the transitions could be. Um, so I have to give them a lot of credit for that. Um, and also you know, the behind the scenes of production and everything of the band and the fact that we are independent, I think that helps us to be tighter as well. We're not hiring, you know, people left and right to be in this band. We've had the same lineup for a long time, so it allows us to be a, a tight unit. Earlier, you mentioned that you listened to the feedback from the fans, and I would love for you now to let all the fans know how they can get in contact with you <laughs> on social media or otherwise give all of your information. So um, I'm very approachable as an artist. Our fans can find us a number of ways on Facebook.com slash Soulphonics, Facebook.com slash RubyVell, um, on Twitter at RubyVell or at the Soulphonics, and also um, on RubyVell and the Soulphonics.com, as well as our independent label, Big Love, to Gemco Records. It's www.gemcorecords.com. Uh, we're very happy to be independent, and that's our little label, so... It's us and Charles Walker and the Dynamites on that label out of Nashville, Tennessee. So, yeah, reach out to us, Atlanta and beyond. I'll get back to you. Ruby, thank you. Thank you, Floyd. Thanks to Wonderroot. You guys are really amazing. Thanks for the tour of the space. It's really awesome. 
more people in Atlanta should be taking advantage of the wonderful things you have here. And I'm here to support always. Take me back to the stage. When you're on stage and the music is playing and you get that response from the crowd or you're in one of your really favorite songs, what is that like for you in that moment? Um, For me, I always have memories or like even, I want to say like out of body experiences, but that kind of takes it to a weird place where I don't know if it should go. But I... I hearken back to the Janis Joplin's, to the Jimi Hendrix's, to the 60s and 70s music that was so live and so in your face and such a feeling and such an emotion of love and compassion and all the positive things that we try to instill in our music. Uh, That's what I really think about when I'm on stage. I think about other performers. I do. And, And what I'm doing is layering over time that effect of the of the live music experience you know and i'm just one of many other artists that are doing it so for me the live experience is not so much about just our band in the context of time it's about so many projects and building what it is to experience music in a live atmosphere and i'm very much moved by the live performance if you get me in the studio i'm a much different artist it's almost like night and day from who I am when I'm on stage. So I really try to um, pay respect to the people that have come before me. And I think that's I, th- I think that's what is in the back of my head when I'm on stage is really like, you better do this right because there are so many people out there that either A, don't get a chance to do it or B, they're dead and they've long done it, you know, in the past. So I just really try to be there in that moment and be very present. Thank you guys so much. This is our last song. And since we're in the South, I want to see a little bit of soul clap. You guys got any, right? 